So you've probably heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, The saying originally comes from a book in 1860, The Mill on the Floss by George Eliot. I'll spare you all the details, because there are a lot of details that I don't want to talk about. But the point is that we ought not to judge by outward appearance, because we can't learn everything about someone or something only based on what we see on the outside. Judging a book by its cover is also called favoritism or showing partiality. I'm sure you've seen favoritism in your life. Maybe you were hanging out with your friends and you're all trying to figure out what show to watch on Disney+. Plus. No, that looks ugly. No, that sounds boring. Now, Star Wars, that's where it's at. But favoritism goes beyond our choice of entertainment. In the past year, we've seen people judge each other based on whether they wore a face mask or not, or whether they practiced social distancing or not. There may be some validity to those things, but we're focusing on the favoritism there. For some people, if you didn't wear a mask and socially distance, you were treated like a leper or an outcast. It works the other way around, too. Judging people for wearing a mask or for socially uh, distancing is also favoritism. So what about you? Do you treat others with favoritism? Do you only hang out with those kids uh, that you think are cool and you avoid certain people because you think they're weird and and you haven't even ever talked with them? You haven't given them a chance. What do you think when you see someone in junior high wearing clothes from Goodwill? He looks really cheap. Oh, but that girl over there, she's got some style. Where do you think is stylish? Hang out with her. So are you ever treated with favoritism? Maybe you're always the last one to be picked in sports because you're not tall enough, you're not big enough. Or maybe you're the first to be picked. Maybe you're not invited to all the birthday parties because you're not cool enough for other people or for whatever reason. Favoritism is a serious problem. And this is exactly what James talks about in our text tonight. Tonight we'll be in James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And the big idea for tonight is that Christians should not show favoritism. Christians should not show favoritism, which means to wrongly judge others based on appearances. In James chapter 2, 1 to 13, we see two ways to not show favoritism. James teaches us two ways to not show favoritism. Firstly, he teaches us to treat others as God does in verses 1 to 7. Secondly, he teaches us to judge and to be judged by God's standard in verses 8 to 13. Let's read the text. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. 
Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So first, in this text, we see in verses 1 to 7, James teaches us to treat others as God does. As we come into the text in verse 1, who is James speaking to? So we look at the text, we see that he's speaking to my brothers. These are fellow Christians. But James wasn't just addressing these Christians. What he says applies to us as well. Almost 2,000 years later, because of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about Jesus Christ even before we talk about favoritism, because nothing matters more than knowing him. So who is Jesus Christ? I know you've probably been at Grace Community Church for most of your life, or at least for a little while. Um, And maybe you've gone through a WANA or Venture Club, so maybe you think you know a lot. But I want to make sure that you don't miss out on something so foundational as knowing who Jesus is. Let me say it again. Nothing matters more than knowing Jesus Christ. You need to know him. So let me tell you a little bit about him. So in verse 1, James says, he calls him the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the name of the Son of God who became a man to save people from God's punishment for their sins against him. In the Old Testament, Israel was expecting a Savior and a judge. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah that Israel was waiting for. And he has already come once to save sinners like you and me. He'll one day come again to judge sinners who haven't trusted in him. And then James also describes Jesus as Lord. Jesus has all authority. Right now, he is sitting at the Father's right hand, and one day he will return to set up his kingdom on earth. Here in exchange, we want to help you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and to know what it means to be a Christian. So what does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian is someone who knows Jesus Christ. For someone to be a Christian, he has to believe in Jesus Christ, specifically that Jesus died in his place and for his sins on the cross. Paul teaches us in Romans 10, 9, that if you want to become a Christian, you have to confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved. And then you go on to live the rest of your life for him. This is the Jesus we're talking about today. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and me. This is the Jesus you have to put your faith in before anything else in this text matters to you. In verse 1, James tells Christians to show no partiality. We've already talked about favoritism. It's the same thing. 
It means to unfairly treat different people based on your judgment of their appearance. And this is exactly what James is warning us against here in verses 1 to 13. Then he goes on to an example of favoritism in verses 2 to 4. Um, This picture of a rich man and a poor man coming into the Jewish synagogue is probably something that happened back then when James was writing this letter to these Jewish Christians. But what about our day? You know, how does this apply to us? Well, imagine, imagine a poorly dressed boy coming into junior high to find a seat during the message. And one of the leaders got up and told him, no, wait, you can sit in the back. What would you think? Or what about if someone very well dressed was invited to sit next to Pastor John in big church just for wearing the nicest clothes in the whole church? I know that's unlikely because I'm sure you all dress very well on Sunday. But the point is, is it right to show favoritism? Let me tell you a bit about favoritism from this text. So first, uh, favoritism shows itself in what we say. We see that in verse 3. But even before we say anything, we've already made a judgment in our hearts. That's why James in verse 4 rebukes the brothers for becoming judges with evil thoughts. We, as sinful human beings, tend to prefer those uh, whom we like or would benefit from the most. It's not good when we show favoritism, and it's also not good when others show favoritism to us. James is very clear on that here. In verse 5, James again calls those who got his letter, my beloved brothers. He loves them as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And he tells them to listen, because what he is about to say is really important. We need to listen as well. In the rest of the verse, James goes on to say that God has chosen to bless the poor in the world with faith and with his kingdom. God does not favor those who are rich and have nice things. Not that it is wrong to have nice things, so don't get that wrong. But the fact of the matter is that the world favors those kind of people because of what they can get from them, from rich people, and because we live in a greedy culture. Um, There is a downside of being rich as well. I mean, if you think about the young rich ruler, uh, he had a lot of riches, but when Jesus called him to follow him, he wasn't able to because he wasn't able to forsake his riches. So there is a downside of being rich. But let me tell you, God is not going to bless all the poor just because they're poor, and he's not going to avoid blessing the rich just because they're rich. Being poor, being rich in and of themselves is not wrong. But for God, it's the heart that counts. God has promised those blessings. Look at that in verse 5. To those who love him. The condition to receive God's blessings is that you love him. God is not showing favoritism here. Jesus, think about Jesus. Jesus called both fishermen and tax collectors. He receives all who come to him in faith in his son and who love him. My fellow leader Armando also doesn't show favoritism, even when it comes to baseball. He's a diehard Giants fan, but he still loves all y'all Dodger fans. Verses 6 and 7, James describes the rich. Uh, These are not just any rich people. They are rich people who mistreated Christians and misused God's name. Do you know anyone like that? Our point is not to judge them, but, you know, just want you to think about it. If you're nice to people, though, because they seem cool to you, it does not necessarily mean that they'll be nice to you in return. 
And even if they are, so what? For God, it doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor, cool or uncool to others. God will not reject you if you come to him and he will not mistreat you. Since God does not play favorites, why should you treat others as God has so graciously treated you? In verses one to seven, we learn that we as Christians ought to treat others as God does. God doesn't show favoritism and so shouldn't we. Uh, In verses eight to 13, James teaches us to judge and be judged by God's standard. Christians should not show favoritism because that is what scripture teaches us not to do. And we also don't have to be worried about how others will treat us because we are judged by God's law, not by man. Even though, you know, we feel bad when others uh, choose other people instead of us to be friends. James begins verse 8 by assuming that what he's about to say is true. James is not saying in verse 8, that the brothers that he's, he's talking to are actually fulfilling the royal law. But he's saying more like, let's say you do fulfill the royal law, which says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. According to Jesus in Mark 12, 31, this is the second greatest commandment. We'll talk more about this commandment in a little bit. In verse nine, James brings us, brings us back to the topic of showing favoritism, not showing partiality, favoritism, is a command found in the same chapter of the Bible as love your neighbor as yourself. The person you reject because he seems weird to you may in fact be accepted by God because God looks at the heart. James goes on to say that those who show favoritism are committing sin, even if they quote unquote love their neighbor. Sin happens when you miss the mark. God has set a standard. You have to meet it or you're sinning. When you, when you were in elementary school, think about uh, think back to that time. Um, there are rules in the classroom: stay seated, stay quiet, raise your hand if you want to ask a question. If you failed to keep any of these rules, you sinned, in the sense that you missed the mark. Uh, God has set a standard for us to follow, which is to not show favoritism. So we are sinning when we show favoritism. Also, uh, not only showing favoritism sin. It is transgression, another big word there. It means breaking the law. When we know the standard and we still do what we're not supposed to do, then we violated that standard. We've gone beyond. We've broken God's law. In the same chapter of Leviticus that teaches us to love our neighbor also tells us to not show partiality. Leviticus 19, for all you Bible scholars out there, Uh, James goes on in verse 10 to talk about God's standard, his law, in more detail. James' point here is that if you want to keep God's law, you have to keep all of it. That means if you fail or stumble in even one area, then you're guilty of breaking God's law. You'd be guilty if you broke every single law, but you're guilty even if you break only one law because God's law is one indivisible standard. It's like when you have a party and your dad orders pizza. Um, You party for a while and then you eventually feel hungry. You know, that's normal. Uh, When you check to see if there's any pizza left, there's only one slice. 
Uh, but then you realize that your little sister also wants, wants a slice of pizza too. So are you going to be logical and split the pizza in half like Solomon? Or will you be nice and give her the slice? Or will you, you know, be a little selfish and fight for the slice for yourself? Based on my understanding of economy, I would say keep the slice whole. Pizza is best preserved as a single slice. Having only part of a slice just doesn't feel right. So either give her the slice or take it for yourself. There's no in between. (laughs) The same oneness applies to God's law, but much more so. If you want to live by God's law, it's all or nothing. You either meet God's standard perfectly or you don't. And if you don't, you're guilty of sinning and transgressing against his law. In verse 11, James gives us a couple of examples of God's commandments. God has said in his word uh, that we are not to commit adultery and that we are not to murder. If we don't commit adultery but do murder, you know, hypothetically speaking, we are guilty before God. The same applies to showing favoritism. If you want to live as a Christian obeying the second greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, and you love your neighbor in every way, but you sometimes show favoritism, then you're guilty of not obeying the whole law. You have not met up to God's standard that you're trying to meet, and you're guilty. The problem is not the law. The problem is that you're a sinner, and so am I. And we do what is natural to us, which is to sin. Um, That doesn't give us an excuse to sin because that's going against God's standard. It's missing the mark. It's transgressing, breaking his law. But it is natural to us. Even for those of us who are Christians today, we still sin. But that we're sinners also means that we need a savior. And there is one for us in Jesus By verse 12, James has already spoken about the royal law of God, which is how God tells us his will. We know what God's will is because we have his word. But for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we are judged by another law, the law of liberty. The law of liberty is found in the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only man who has perfectly fulfilled the law of God, and he died in our place. If we trust in him, we're counted by God as having perfectly fulfilled the law of God ourselves. This is the law of liberty, the freeing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the gospel, we have forgiveness of sin, sin which we have committed by showing favoritism, and hopefully by now you know that you have. Um, And we also don't always love our neighbor as yourself. Because of the gospel, we will not face eternal judgment for the sin we've committed. Because of the gospel, we are given the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live according to the law of liberty. Christians are to speak and to act accordingly as those to be judged under the law of liberty. The next verse tells us more about how to think about this. Finally, when we get to verse 13, James says that judgment is merciless to the one who shows no mercy. Unbelievers are the ones that we should expect to not show mercy, but that's not the case with Christians. Christians are to be merciful people. 
Jesus himself says in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. We should be kind to others and not show favoritism to anyone because God has shown such mercy to us in Christ. Those who don't know Christ can only expect God's judgment for their sin. But those who've been saved by Christ will receive God's mercy instead of judgment. Thus, James' final word here, mercy triumphs over judgment. God's mercy is greater than his judgment, and it is found in his son, Jesus Christ. So, do you show favoritism? If you do, then you haven't fulfilled God's royal law. Favoritism is serious. What you need to do is not try to muster up all your strength to, tr- to try not to show favoritism. What matters most is that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has perfectly obeyed God's law, and he died in your place for your sins if you would believe in him today. He will give you a new heart by giving you the Holy Spirit to change your heart and to continue to change your heart so that you will want to show favoritism less and less until you get to be with him forever. So put your trust in him today. For those of us who believe in Christ as our savior, there's nothing to worry about. Whether we are rich or poor, we have been given the gift of a relationship with God and the hope of eternal riches in his kingdom forever. God has not shown favoritism to us. If he treated us as the sinners we are, we would face his judgment. But instead, he has shown great mercy to us in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we ought not to show favoritism, but mercy, so that we can reflect our merciful God. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for teaching us about your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that if anyone here doesn't believe in Jesus Christ as their savior, that they would realize how merciful you've been in sending your son, that they would believe in him tonight, be saved, and that they would follow you and live for you. Lord, I pray that for those of us who know Christ, that we would not show partiality, Lord, knowing that it's an evil thing, Lord. Um, It's something that the world does, but that's not something what we should do, Lord. I pray that you would help us not to show favoritism and that we would want to live for you more and more and that you'd help us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this time once again. Be with us tonight and the rest of this week. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.